hear these words of scripture before you for the day from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin, th sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, considered him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary, and that you will not lose heart. Hello, my name is Megan Ludit. I'm a freshman at Miami University, and I grew up going to this church. When I first read the verses that, that Pastor Heidi selected for this week, I immediately honed in on the race aspect of them, probably because I'm a cross-country runner. Cross-country was a wonderful sport for me, because though the race was always the same length, it was different every week. One week, the course may have a big hill, and the next may lead you through the woods the entire time. At the beginning of the season, the sun is out, and it is always really hot, but by the end, it may be snowing. So each week, you have to prepare a little differently, and you always have to be on top of your game. Throughout their running careers, runners work hard to achieve their fastest times, called PRs, or personal records. Now at my high school, we all knew that there was one race, held in Galleon, where you were most likely to achieve your PR. Galleon is a flat course, it's right in the middle of the season, so the weather is usually pretty mild, and it's just known to be fast. My junior year, I was determined to get my new PR at Galleon. And I had done everything I could to prepare. I had gotten enough sleep, eaten what I was supposed to the night before and the morning of, and hydrated all week. I was confident that I would do well, and for the first half of the race, I did. And then I came up to the only hill in the entire race, which doesn't even really count as a hill. And all of a sudden, I was on the ground. I had face planted, and I didn't even know what had happened until I was down. But before I could even really register the pain, I heard someone yell, come on, Megan, you need to get up and finish this race. And so I picked myself up off the ground and started running again. I was crying and bleeding and it wasn't pretty, but I knew that I needed, I needed to finish the race for my team. And I did. And though I didn't earn a lot of points, the few points that I earned mattered. Just like I felt during that race, the Reconciling Ministry Network has had a major setback. The results of the, general, of the special general council that met this summer did not go the way that we had intended or hoped. Having grown up at this church, I have come to believe that God loves everyone unconditionally, and the welcoming, inclusive atmosphere of this church is something that I am very proud of. So when I went to Miami this fall, I knew that it was important for me to find a Christian group that held the same values that this church does. So I became involved in the Progressive Christian Students Organization, the only openly LGBTQ-affirming organization on campus. At one of our meetings, we were talking about the experiences that different church members had had growing up at their church. And during that conversation, I realized that half the members in the group hadn't been to a church service in a very long time. And while this may sound surprising, it's a common trend seen today. According to the Pew Research Center, there is a stark contrast in attendance between older Americans and millennials. 
While about 75% of baby boomers identify themselves as Christians, only 49% of, of millennials identify themselves that way. And because of conversations that I've had, I've realized that one of the main reasons young people leave the church is because they feel that Christianity doesn't fit their own personal beliefs on social or political issues. They see a religion based in fear, not in love. They see Christians as judging critical people, and they may fear that when they walk through a church's doors, instead of being welcomed, they will be told that they have to follow a set of rules, or they're going to hell. I've had that very experience at a different church. Luckily, I've grown up going to this church, so I don't believe in a harsh God. I believe in a loving God. But there are so many people out there who believe those people who are condemning them. But I believe that Christianity is a religion based in love. And I believe that God loves everyone as they are, and that God actively seeks a relationship with us. I believe that God will spend our entire lives searching for us so that God can let us know that God loves us. And I believe that if God loves all of us unconditionally, then we as Christians need to show that unconditional love to those around us. That is the way we as a church can grow. And that is the way to draw more people to Christianity. So though the results of the special general conference that met this summer weren't what we had hoped for, I believe the race isn't over yet. That was an unexpected fall, but I think we now need to pick ourselves up and keep going, not just for ourselves, but for our worldwide team, for those who may not feel accepted in church, for those who feel they that they don't have a voice, and for those who just need to hear that God loves them as they are. Thanks, Megan. I asked Megan to speak, um, I think it was a week ago, <laughs> I asked you, and she jumped on it immediately and said that she was more than willing and happy to share. And, um, and I asked her because I thought it was important for us to remember why we're here and remember why we're doing this. I'm probably going to cry at some point during this. And I think that's because I'm tired. I'm tired and I'm weary, and I have a feeling that I'm not the only one. Especially after this past week with another proposal coming forward, and for whatever reason, well, every time a proposal comes forward, a new swirl of questions and unknowns and speculations come forth. And for whatever reason, this splash from this proposal was louder and went farther than I think any of the other ones have gone before. And that combined with the, the reality that the traditional plan actually came into effect on January 1st of 2020. I'm tired. <laughs> and so my intention going into this service was to create a space where we could come and we could receive some resistance. You know how that sounds, to receive resistance, so hold on. We are here because the traditional plan, because we don't believe it, because we do not agree with its exclusionary language and we stand in opposition to those who are excluding 
actively excluding people from fully participating in the body of Christ. We believe that the traditional plan goes against the teachings of Jesus Christ and the way that he has called us to be his disciples. And although the traditional plan went into effect January 1st of this year, we know that that wasn't the beginning of our journey, that this has been going on for a long time. This race has been going on for a long time, since a general conference of 1972, right? So today's scripture, it reminds us that our faith journey and our work as disciples is not a quick sprint. It's not something that we can focus on for a little bit and we can get really good at it and just go intently, intensely and then be done with it. Our work as disciples are, is more like that long distance race that Megan was talking about. A race that requires endurance and persistence that demands a sustained effort by the runner who must keep running through both the smooth and the easy times that we do have as disciples, as well as those difficult and those uncertain times. Long distance running is hard (laughs) for most of us. It's not an easy task. I ran cross country in high school and in college, and it was never easy for me. Because no matter how well I trained or how well I planned, no matter how well I ate and slept before the races, there was always a point in every single race when I just wanted to give up. My heart was pounding, my lungs hurt, I couldn't feel my legs anymore. I had to look down to make sure they were still with me. And I just wanted the race to be over. And it was so tempting to stop and walk or to just quit. And the only reason I didn't just give up was because there were all kinds of people standing along the course cheering me on and cheering on the other runners. Our scripture this afternoon says that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses reminding us that we are not in this race alone. We have people who are running this race with us, who are encouraging us and supporting us and loving us, holding one another up, carrying one another along when our legs just can't go any farther. That's why we have these open table services, to remind us that we're not alone, to come together in support and in Christian love, to remind us that we're not crazy for knowing that God wants to include all in the body of Christ. And these long-distance races, the sidelines are filled with a cheerleading section. The whole length of the race, there is this cheerleading section. And cross-country parents, if you're one of them, you know that those races, you don't just sit at the end of the, the finish line, at the finish line, and cheer on your racer. No, you go to many different spots throughout the course, and you cheer on your, your, your student, your, your child, and all of their teammates, and every single racer that comes by. You cheer them on as they go, and then you run to another spot, and you wait for them again, and you cheer them on, and you go to another spot, and another spot, and another spot. The parents, they can see the whole course. 
and they can use little shortcuts to go in between and to get ahead and to make sure that they're there to love and support their student. And that's the way I imagine it is with that cl this cloud of witnesses, all of those who have gone before us. Because for decades, individuals within the United Methodist Church have been working diligently to fulfill full inclusion of the LGBTQ community, to include all of our siblings into our home, our church. We are here because of their hard work and their determination because they didn't give up when it got difficult. And they're cheering us on, no matter whether they're here with us today or they're afar or they have gone on to be with their Savior. They are rooting us on every single step, every inch, helping us to get closer and closer to the finish line. And in this race, in this cloud of witnesses, we also include all of those we know and we love who are the reason why we believe so strongly in inclusion for all. The brother or the sister, the friend, the cousin, the teacher, the daughter, the son, who were told that they were not welcome in God's family. My, the fact that my brother barely believes that there is a God because I'm the only one that has told him that he is he's loved. Not he is still loved, but he is just loved unconditionally by God because he has been told by people with signs shouting at him that he is damned to hell. And for me to be able to just be that small whisper saying they are not true, they are not right. This race is hard because it's personal. It's not theoretical, it's not out there on the other side of the world, but it's here in front of us, in the face of the people that we love already, and in those who desperately need to know of God's unconditional love. That's what this world is seeking for. And so today, in this time, I pray for a bit of resistance, a coating, a covering, a layer of balm and protection for us, for the rest of the race that we have before us, to know that we are not alone, that we are in this together, that this is important work, and to know that it's not up to us to bring reconciliation to the United Methodist Church. The worst races are those that are late in the season, after days and days of rain, when the whole course is just mud. <laughs> and you hit a stretch of muck, and there's no way around it, and you just have to go through it. And I am now reminded of the, um, the book. Oh, what's the book? With the, the bear. We're going on a bear hunt, and you just have to go through the muck. And that's what I feel like we're here now. You have to navigate yourself along through those, all of those lost shoes and you curl your toes in your shoes to make sure that you can try to keep on your own shoes and every step becoming more and more difficult as the mud just wants to suck you in. 
And in some respects, it feels like we are wading through muck right now. We are navigating this mess, this messiness that is the church right now. The mess that is human and fallible. But unlike a cross-country race, where you have to stay on that course or get disqualified, in this race of faith, we are permitted to stop and to step out of the muck. We don't have to stay in the muck, but we can step up on to the firm ground of Jesus Christ. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so eagerly entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. Let us throw everything off that hinders us. Let us take off all of those things, those human things that keep us from really focusing on God. The desire to win. The desire to be right and for the other to be wrong. The anger that harms us and the anger that hurts our hearts and hurts others. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. Let us step out of the muck of our own human righteousness and stand firm on the foundation of Jesus, remembering that we don't do this through our own power or ability, but we do this through God, through God's ultimate power. God's ultimate power makes things beautiful, makes things new out of this mess. And let us remember why we are doing this, because we know that the relentless and the unconditional love of God is needed for all people. That we want, we desire, I think, more than anything in the whole world for all people of this world to personally and intimately know that God loves them. Not just us, but God loves you. That's transformational. This morning, I was, <laughs> I was a mess <laughs> coming into the worship services this morning. I was jittery, and I was unsure, and I don't know what my deal was. And I was like that all the way up until communion. And when I got to communion, that's when I found my footing. And God said something there. God said, no matter what, that table is firm. That table is our foundation. Communion reminds us of who we are. It reminds us of whose we are, and it reminds us that we have the power within us to do hard things. Running is hard. <laughs> Running this race that we have before us is hard. Continuing when 
when we don't have the answers and we don't know what's going to happen and it's five long months until May and we start to get some answers. And there might be a glimmer of hope here and there, but it can be hard. But because we have a firm foundation, we can do hard things. And so today, I pray that we can come to the table together and we can remember that we can do hard things because we're not alone because we have Jesus. We can do hard things because Jesus. That's it. Amen.